It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. This is Up and to the Right for the 44th week of 2016. This week we'll focus on backups on a budget. What happens in your business when data is lost? How can data become lost? What can you do to prevent it that won't cost you a fortune? You can have a working, long-term backup solution for less than $450, and you probably own most of the equipment you'll need. Welcome to Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast bringing you the art and science of business. This is where we cover things that matter to small business owners, startups, and people interested in becoming entrepreneurs. We talk about increasing revenue, not buzzwords, decreasing costs, not short-term trends, good operating practices, not theories. This is about sound business principles and how to apply them in your individual business situation. So in the news segment today, I wanted to talk about uh, a new service from uh, LinkedIn called ProFinder. And this is a service where you can actually uh, look for freelance work in, in, within the LinkedIn network. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, if you're a user of Odesk or some of those services, either as a customer or as a supplier, uh, you might be interested in checking out the the new service from LinkedIn called ProFinder. And I'll put a link to that service in the show notes. So how is data lost? One of the most premier ways is hard drive failure. And I've lost at least two hard drives in RAID, away, RAID, RAID arrays that I can remember. And the only reason we saved the data is because we had it RAID protected, which means multiple disks storing the same data. Um, I recently did have a hard drive fail that was storing some files off an old iMac that I had. Luckily, that was not uh, uh, critical data, but uh, there were some photos on there that, that we couldn't recover. So that's, um, and that was a standalone external hard drive. If you have data on a USB or what people call a thumb drive, and you lose the thumb drive, it's pretty easy to lose that data. Um, take the wrong box of stuff to the document shredder. <laughs> so uh, we were working on uh, some uh, tax documents and I had a box of uh, paperwork in my office that I was using as uh, uh, for stuff that it needed to get uh, shredded. And uh, I have no proof, but it appears that I ended up putting the 2016, some of the 2016 tax information into that buck box and uh, we ended up shredding it. So the, the data was recovered, but I ended up on hold a lot with uh, a bank or two. So that's, um, you can make a mistake uh, even with paper and, and lose files. Another way you can lose data is accidental deletion on your hard drive. If you just accidentally delete it and then empty your, your trash bin, uh, you can lose it. You can have uh, intentional but erroneous deletion where you delete something on purpose and then realize that you didn't want to delete it. And I had this happen when I was transferring some video files from uh, an external hard drive to another hard drive, and I had thought that all of the files had been transferred, but they weren't. But when I deleted the folder on the external drive, I lost them. Luckily, I had a cloud-based service, uh, which I'll get into more in a little bit, that had a backup copy of that file. And so I was actually able to recover that as well. And then finally, there's, there's things like disasters, fire and flood, that can cause you to lose 
lose data. So what's the impact on your small business if you lose information like that? Well, there's there's kind of four big categories that I uh, listed out here. One's uh, tax and accounting. Another one's legal and intellectual property. Another category is customer service. And then finally, uh, production. So let's talk about each of those briefly uh, in, and how it can impact your business. So tax and accounting, there, there are legal requirements to maintaining tax returns, and you want to make sure that you have all of them for the number of years that are required uh, based on the location that you live. Uh, investors or stakeholders may want to see historical reports, and if you don't have the data, you might not be able to provide that information. And it's more difficult to uh, analyze trends over time if you don't have information from the past to, to review. So that's important reasons why you don't want to lose tax and accounting information. Legal and intellectual property issues can be uh, specifically in terms of uh, intellectual property. Uh, about, I think about five years ago now, we had a competitor slash customer actually call. And this is someone who has purchased our products in the past, but uh, ended up being a, a competitor in some regards and wanted us to pay royalties for a product. And they sent us a letter saying, we have a patent, you're infringing on it. We'd be interested in, in uh, uh, having you guys license it so that you can continue using it in you know, what was ultimately our own product. And so historically, now this went back um, 12 to 15 years before the, um, before the letter itself. So it was quite a while ago. And uh, we actually dug through our research and development notes and found the documents. And those were uh, our development documents and our first sales into the open market. And those sales predated the patent from uh, the, the other company, which meant that the, the technology was already in the market, it was released. So it was in the public domain by the time that their patent was issued, which basically meant for us that their patent wasn't going to cover our product. Um, but I would not have been able to um, make that argument if we didn't have the information. And that had been a long time. So I can't stress enough the importance of storing important information, especially regarding intellectual property um, in some kind of format. And in this case, this was all paperwork. So there was, um, this was, none of this was digital. So we had to go through boxes and boxes of paper to figure it out. Uh, human resources, uh, losing documents or not retaining the right documents for uh, employees it can uh, be a problem in our in our society in terms of being taken to court. It's also important to maintain records uh, regarding employee training and development so that you can help your employees become uh, more valuable to the company and also so that they can feel like they're they're becoming more valuable and um, you know growing within the organization. You may have industry requirements within the legal framework. Uh, for example, you may be uh, ISO registered or you may wish to be ISO registered. You may be a medical device company or have FDA regulations that you're bound to. You may have OSHA requirements based on the type of business that you do. 
Um, all of those things can be managed uh, or need to be documented and maintained. And if you don't have that documentation or you lose it, there can be consequences to that. So you may also have contractual obligations. You may have a customer or a vendor that you're working with who needs you to retain a certain amount of information uh, for the work that you do with them. And uh, it's not uncommon for uh, single source small companies. If you're single source to a, a larger company, they may want the information on how to build your product or, or provide your service um, in an escrow account or in basically in a, in a non-aligned uh, location, meaning it's not part of the company that you're selling to, not your customer's property and not your property, but uh, basically a legal office that can say, okay, if you go out of business, the company that is purchasing from you will still have access to the ability to create those products. And if you're a small company trying to sell to larger organizations and your technology is unique, you may run into something like that. So there can be requirements uh, based on contracts as well. From a customer service perspective, if you lose supporting documents, uh, if they get deleted or they get lost, uh, it makes it very hard to fix a product that has that is returned potentially, or you can't answer questions about the product or provide the owner's manual. And in larger companies, and we've seen this with the computer hardware and software industry, where they will simply say, hey, we're not supporting this anymore. Uh, you know, you're... You've, we've seen uh, the discontinu discontinuation of support for uh, various versions of Windows or uh, uh, at the time of this recording, actually, Apple just announced that they were not going to support the iPhone 4 anymore. And so with these larger companies, you can understand why they do that because there's so many installations around the world that trying to make sure that all of those can be supported uh, could be very expensive. Uh, as a small company, though, you may not have the luxury of telling a customer that came to you 10 years ago and bought something that, uh, sorry, I, I can't help you. I can't fix that. Oh, but by the way, if you want to spend more money with me, here's, you know, here's the new thing. Well, that's not a very compelling sales story. So, and it may be that they need a new product, but not being able to answer the questions and not being able to support the product could cost you, could cost you business. And then finally, uh, production. If you lose the documentation on how to manufacture something, uh, obviously that causes you to have to re-engineer or recreate uh, the recipe, if you will, uh, which can be very expensive, and not only in uh, in cash but and lost sales, uh, but time time in the marketplace, lead time for your product. So those are some reasons why losing documentation can actually be very very hard on your business. Uh, so then the answer to that, of course, is what, what do we do is we make sure we have a backup plan and we back up our data and backing up data means backing up both, uh, paper data and digital data. It's, it's easy in this time to, uh, get very focused on, on the digital side of things and not pay attention to the data that we have that is in paper. So let's talk a little bit about what a what a backup plan might look like or what is what makes up a backup plan so for digital data the first thing to to think about and i learned this from the photography industry and i uh, for the life of me i can't i can't quote the right source so i apologize in advance um, but if somebody knows the source please send me an email or uh, 
put a comment in the notes and I'll, I'll definitely cite it. Um, but basically, if it doesn't exist in three places, it doesn't exist. And so if you keep it in mind, that means, for example, you have data on your hard drive on your computer and maybe a local backup to an external hard drive in your office and then uh, a cloud backup to uh, an internet service in the cloud. And that's uh, a pretty standard scenario for, for storing digital data. And we'll talk a little bit more about, about that. So how does paper fit into a backup plan? Well, I, I step paper back one notch when it comes to the, the backup scenario and say that if it doesn't exist in two separate places, it doesn't exist. Um, and what I mean by that is having a local copy doesn't necessarily buy you as much as it does with digital data because it is very easy to delete uh, a digital file. But it takes conscious effort to throw a piece of paper away, even if you're throwing it into a box that's going to go to a shredder. So the, the idea there is then to have a separate copy that you have stored off-site in a different location. If you have a fire in your building and you have two copies that burn, that doesn't help you. So you create a copy that you keep in your office, and then you have a copy that you keep in uh, a storage shed or at your house or whatever. Uh, so I don't worry too much about a local backup when it comes to paper. Uh, what I would strongly encourage is to make it, make some sort of digital program uh, or a program to digitize those papers and put them into a digital backup rather than try to keep more paper um, just because it's um, obviously it's better for the environment, but it's also uh, it takes up less space in your business. So what tools would we would we need to create this backup plan? At the very beginning of the podcast, I said you could do this whole thing for $450. And it actually is probably less than that for most people. Uh, you only need three things. You need, uh, correction, you need four things. You need internet service. Uh, and I didn't put that on my list. But you need internet service. You need a consumer printer with a uh, scanning feature. You need a, uh, an external hard drive and uh, a cloud-based uh, backup service. And for this, for the purposes of this example, I used a consumer printer with an auto-duplexing feed tray, which means that you put in a stack of pieces of paper and it will scan them in, flip them over, scan the other side, and spit them out. And, and it will do it automatically. So you can put in a stack of 20 pieces of paper or whatever, and it will scan the entire document and then you can tell it where to put the, the document if you want it in a specific folder or you want to use a scan to email feature, uh, that's available. For this, So that was 200 bucks, actually less, about $180. There, the external hard drive for two terabytes, you can get it for less than $100. And two terabytes is quite a bit of data for most users. Uh, if you are in a media company, uh, you're going to already know that having a backup solution is going to be a more expensive thing than if you are um, uh, providing other services or products uh, because media takes up quite a bit of space. Just for an example, one episode of Up and to the Right, the audio is about 600 to 800 megabytes and the uh, short video I do is about a gig 
uh, in raw data and then with the um, uh, photos and the editing and the edited files and the final output, there's about a gig and a half, maybe two gigs of data per episode that I have to store. So you can see that, and that's very short media. Uh, so you can think about what it would mean if you were delivering that uh, or different content like that on a regular basis, how you could fill up a, a hard drive. And there are for media centered companies, there are other solutions that I'm not going to talk about today, but um, but I think if you're in that industry, you probably have a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about. And if you don't, please send me an email or leave a comment, and I'd be happy to comment on it uh, later. I do have some experience with that. So uh, then we talked about uh, uh, cloud-based services, and there are four that I am familiar with. There are probably more. Well, there are certainly more than this. Um, there, the four that I, I'll talk about are CrashPlan, Carbonite, Backblaze and iDrive. And uh, uh, spoiler alert, I use CrashPlan. So that's what I'm going to be focused on. But I have uh, either done trials or used at least for some amount of time all four of them. And I have uh, very specific reasons why I use CrashPlan. And I'll go through those uh, when we get to the, the uh, tools of the trade section. So those are some uh, online storage uh, or online backup solutions that I would recommend you take a look at. And so once you get those things in place, um, your internet service, your printer, your hard drive, and a cloud service, that's all you really need to create a backup system that you can, that you can work with. And so I want to talk, before we go on to the action section, I want to talk about what is not a storage solution. Um, a service that replicates what's on your hard drive is not a backup plan. Google Drive, OneDrive, Dropbox, um, those services have folders that are synchronized on your computer. And if you delete a file on your computer, the synchronization will then delete the file on the cloud, which means that you actually have not saved anything. So, uh, please don't mistake the online storage products for online backup products. And uh, I'm going to muddy the water a little bit during the suggested action because I use Google Drive um, to archive uh, some documents, but I'm going to explain how I do that and why. And so just be very clear. You have to be very careful how you're using online storage because if it's synchronized to your hard drive and you delete a file, it's going to be deleted in the cloud. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. All right, so let's talk. So now we know the tools that we would need to use, some ideas about why we would need to back things up. So how do we put it together so that it's inexpensive and doesn't drive us crazy? Uh, it's not as hard as you think. So the first thing you do is just decide what, what kind of documents you have that you actually need to uh, back up. Is it paper or digital? What sizes are they? And that could be paper size or it can be file size. And what format are they? Uh, in the case of paper, if everything you do is eight and a half by 11 in North America, you can make a, you can standardize around that. If you're working with international companies, you may find that you're seeing A4 paper 
and uh, or if you're working with uh, drawings and and uh, technical documents, you might find eight and a half or uh, excuse me, eleven by seventeen paper. You may have color in black and white. Uh, how many pieces of paper do you generate? Ten pieces of paper a month that need to be backed up, or do you generate hundreds of pieces of paper every month that have to be backed up? Sit down and just describe what kind of documents you may have. Then look at the tools that you already have. And there are, the, like I said, the printer and the scanner, external drives, cloud services, and uh, you can actually even use your smartphone to scan documents. Um, and so, the and just as a slight aside, I have an app called uh, Genius Scan Plus that is pretty clever about this. You can you can put a document on a table and you take a picture of it, you know, as level as you can, but the the software actually has an algorithm that that will take the perspective that you took the photo at and correct the page size. So it'll make it basically if you take a picture of a piece of paper at an angle, it'll look more like a trapezoid than a rectangle. And the software will assume that it should have been a rectangle and uh, and then it will correct it in in the software to uh, bring it back to rectangle shape and it works pretty well to be honest um, I don't use that a lot but if I don't have a scanner handy and I need a piece of paper uh, I, I don't want to keep a piece of paper or I want it to be backed up then I have that option so you know what do you already have and then what do you need do you not have a scanner well you, they're very inexpensive uh, like I said, less than 200 bucks for a, a one with an auto duplexing feed tray. Um, you don't have to have one even that expensive. You can use one with simply with a scanning function and you scan the pages one at a time, and and that will work. It takes it takes more time, but but you can you can certainly do it. So look at the tools that you already have. So now we're going to organize the backup, and you're you're going to need to figure out what parts of your hard drive you want to back up. And I certainly would not recommend backing up everything. Um, in this day and age, you don't usually need to back up your operating system or your application files. If you, for example, I, I use uh, Photoshop and Adobe Premiere uh, and uh, Adobe Audition to produce the, me the media that I do. Generally speaking, like I said, you don't need to back you don't need to back those up because you can download them later uh, the the files there are some applications if you have an application that uh, you got a long time ago and you don't know if you can get uh, uh, the same application again or you have one that that the software has been uh, uh, is no longer supported I have a, a software uh, package for um, DVDs that is no longer supported that I want to keep, so I have that, and I keep the installation file for that. Eventually, I'm sure it will stop working with my operating system, but until then, I have it and it works. Um, so you want to figure out what you need to back up and what locations you want to use. Now, uh, I prefer to make sure that my file structure is very organized and that I back up the file structure you can also go through and just select all the folders that you think need to be backed up and let it go or um, you know you can make up uh, your own mind on how that works for you but my recommendation is to be pretty methodical about 
where you're putting your files and how you're backing them up. And that way you'll know the safe places on your hard drive that you can have files that are backed up and other places maybe that, that uh, you won't have. So I would create a structure that will work for the digital files that you identified earlier in the process. And then I would then say, okay, where are you going to put scans of paper? And, if, and then how are you going to organize those? And then I build that structure out in, on, on the hard drive. And it's pretty easy. All you have to do is create new folder, create new folder, create new folder, re rename them to whatever they need to be. And um, when, they're, when you're done building the structure, just stop and set the backup for your online service to back up that file structure. They're going to be empty. It'll take, you know, 30 seconds or whatever to back up the folders. That's okay. Then begin adding your files and do that in a controlled way. And I would recommend doing newest first and going and then going back. Um, I always recommend improving a process based on what you're doing now and adding archival data as you can. And so if you set up your folders, set up the backup, add files, and then start working and add to it both from new files as you get done with them, put them either work on them in the place that they're going to stay or put them in the place where they're being archived when you're done. Um, and then add older files as you have time. Maybe you have a, an intern that can work for, for uh, four hours a week on that project or four hours a month. It doesn't really matter as long as you just keep, uh, keep after it. So I've uploaded a data sheet or a worksheet, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, if you go to b50p.com slash 2016w45, There'll be a downloadable worksheet that's kind of a guideline to all that I've just talked about in terms of going through and how to organize your files and what files to organize. And uh, it shows the uh, structure that I use, and I'm going to talk about that uh, briefly in a moment. And it also shows, uh, it has some tips that I've found helpful. And I'm going to run through those real quick right now, um, and then we'll... And then we'll move on. So uh, a couple of, it looks like about eight tips that I think people should pay attention to. Automate as much as you can. Uh, because uh, if you make storage a job or, or backup a job, it is very easy for that to be one of the jobs that gets, that gets left to the side when things get busy. So really try to automate as much as you can. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit when I talk about the tools of the trade. Make storage a part of the process. So what you can't automate, make it part of the process of making whatever widget you make or designing whatever uh, designs that you do. Uh, make that, that data backup part of that process. Keep it simple. It's really important to uh, not overcomplicate the system because then you go right back to uh, if it becomes work, it's the first thing that's going to fall apart when things get busy and you don't have a lot of time. So take some time up front to make it simple and easy and then let it be automatic and, and you'll have a lot more success. One thing I want to say about online backups is be patient. 
Uh, my first online backup to crash plan took 21 days. And uh, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to start because it's going to take too long to get that backup done. Well, it will take forever to get the backup done if you don't start. So just be patient with it. It's, it's okay for it to take 21 days. It's not going to impact your Netflix or, or your, um, you know, your, your downloading because you're uploading. So downloads are, are tr typically not affected. Shouldn't be a big deal. And it may take a while. And that's, that's fine. Doesn't matter. Only include mission, mission critical and legal documents at first. Things that really, really matter. And then you can start adding other documents as, as you have time or as the system becomes more mature. Um, I already talked about backing up applications. Be careful about it. If you feel strongly about it, back up the applications. But typically, you don't need to do that. All uh, right. Oh, for digital files, uh, the remember that your backup will only back up the locations that you tell it. So thumb drives, network-attached storage drives, external drives, floppy disks for those who remember and still have a drive that will run them, or phones are typically not backed up in on a not to a cloud service. And so if you're using any of those, you have to be careful. Um, and my my rule of thumb on that is that the only place that I do work editing or whatever is on the hard drive of my computer and that and in a location that's backed up and um, we'll talk about that a little bit but in the worksheet that's that you can download uh, on the post for this episode it shows exactly how I organize that so that uh, I know that those locations are always backed up and finally digital backups uh, will only work if the computer is on and connected to the backup location. So you can do all of this work, but then if you shut your computer down and uh, you have three gigs of data that need to get uploaded, they're going to sit there until you start your computer back up. So just make sure that when you're shutting your computer down, you check whatever backup service you're using and uh, verify that the backups are complete, or maybe you need to leave your computer on for a little while and let that finish. Moving on to the tool of the trade this week, uh, I already kind of alluded to this earlier, um, and the tool I want people to think about is CrashPlan. And CrashPlan is available at CrashPlan.com, and they are uh, their whole game is online backup. So, what I like about CrashPlan um, that that has kept me a customer versus using um, any of the other services that I mentioned earlier is that CrashPlan will allow peer-to-peer -peer backups for free. So if you download their software on two computers, you can back up one computer to the other computer for free um, through the through the CrashPlan service, which is uh, really convenient if you're if you have a very small amount of data that you want to back up and you want to work, uh, you don't want a cloud service to do it. Um, you do have to be careful though, because now you're filling up the hard drives at both ends with those backups, right? Um, so peer-to-peer uh, -peer backups for free. Uh, it, the paid service is very cost-effective. 
The, as I mentioned earlier, it's $150 a year at the time of this recording for uh, crash plans. Uh, the service that I use, the, the, uh, it's multi-tiered, and the tier that I use is the $150 plan. They have up to 448-bit key strength, which is two to four times higher than uh, some of the other vendors. Um, for me, I'm not as worried about that level of security, but it is available to you if, if you want it. Um, they have deleted file protection. They have version retention, which means that if you actually uh, are working on a, on a file today and you realize that the version that you made two days ago is actually much better than the version that you did today, you can actually go back and find the backup from the day that you did a, did your better work, download that file, and, and run from there, which is pretty awesome. And then finally, and really for me, the biggest thing is that CrashPlan has an unlimited storage. And a lot of these services will have, especially at the low tiers that are affordable for small business, they will have caps for the amount of data that you have uh, that you can upload. Here, let's take a, a quick, we're going to take a quick little sojourn here onto my account. Um, so I'm looking at my crash plan account and I want to see how much storage I have. You know what? It doesn't look like I'm going to be able to see the exact storage amount on my account on, on my, uh, on my iPad, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to take a break here and I'm going to sign on on my computer and and uh, get uh, a little information for you. Hold on. Okay, so I'm back and uh, I took a look and I've got on my own crash plan account about 510 gigabytes of data right now. And so, uh, you know, that's a lot of data to be backing up. Uh, and if uh, your vendor has a cap, it, you can hit it pretty quick. Now that's, to be fair, that's a few years, um, but uh, still something to keep in mind. So uh, I can't say enough good things about CrashPlan. I really, really like them. I've been a customer for a long time and very happy. I've had to recover um, several files, actually one whole folder from la last year. I had to recover an entire folder. I think I, I well, yeah, I shared that example earlier. And uh, uh, over the years, I've had a few documents that I have misplaced and ended up having to go back and grab off the crash plan server. So it works great. Um, the only thing I can make sure, just make sure you know that the, the location you're working is backed up. I talked about Genius Scan. Uh, when you're doing your paper backup, uh, Genius Scan is a good solution. Uh, and most consumer print printers have the scan function. Um, I really like the ones with auto duplexing feed trays because they're it's quicker and your time is the one thing you cannot make more of. So, um, sorry, I had a little note failure here. Okay, um, time is the one thing you can't make more of, right? So, spending a little extra money to get an auto auto duplexing feed tray, um, if you have a lot of paper to scan, is may may be a very good investment for you. And uh, finally, I guess if you have to have paper, make sure that you're backing it up. Make sure that you're backing it up and storing it off-site. Um, it's uh, pretty easy to get complacent 
and, and end up losing information. Kind of to sum it all up, download the worksheet that I built and uh, take a look at that. And you'll see that there's a, um, that there are some very specific steps you can go through to get this done in a fairly effective way. And in my case, I take um, the, I have folders on my Google Drive that are synchronized on my computer, and I use those as working folders. And that allows me to have, immediately I have two locations where that data is stored, because it's already stored on my hard drive, and it's being backed up to the Google Drive, the, the Google server as well. So I've already got two of my locations covered of the three. Then I have that folder on my computer backed up to crash plan. So that folder is then Im immediately in three places without doing any specific work or, you know, it's automatic because that's how I've set it up and I don't need an external hard drive. So I'm not lugging around another hard drive. I don't have, uh, I, I don't have to worry about, um, oh, do I need to plug in my backup drive for a couple hours this afternoon? I just have to make sure that I have internet service and my computer will do the job. So it's backing up to crash plan and Google Drive at the same time. It's a very simple solution. It works great. It will work. You can, you can do that exact scenario with any of the uh, cloud storage services, and you can do, uh, it, do it with any of the uh, cloud backup services. So I highly recommend you at least take a look at that and, uh, and, and maybe that'll work for you. Maybe it won't. There are certainly other ways to do things, um, but build your structure out, get your tools in place and, and then just get your backup going. Um, and there are a few tips just like I, I was mentioning earlier to, to remind you. And there's some questions on there that you can ask that will guide you through what do you need to back up and, uh, and help you get get started on that. So a backup is a is if it's a new habit for you, then this week's reading room is going to be helpful because it's The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And what he talks about in this book is why we do the things we do, how we can change, and how organizations form habits whether they're intentional or unintentional. And it's a it's a really good read. It's um I won't call it light, but it's well-written in terms of it. it's very um, approachable material. So I found it uh, it wasn't buried in, in, uh, in uh, the language of the psychiatrist or psychologist. It was uh, very readable for lay people like myself and really enjoyed it. Uh, very good book, very insightful, and may help in uh, building new habits such as backing up your data. In the Freeform Thought of the Week this week, I want to remind everybody of a resource that uh, I think is very often overlooked, and that is your local library. Um, it's very easy for us to get consumed with, well, I can just get that at Amazon, or I can get that at, and this is not a, an Amazon dig, but uh, you know, I can, I can order that book on Amazon, or I can get it at Barnes & Noble, or I can get it on Kindle, or I can get it on, uh, I can uh, even, even, you know, I'm a huge advocate of Audible. I can get it on Audible or um, doing work on our kitchen table or um, uh, doing doing research and magazine research or whatever online. And 
and you can do all that. The difference, though, is that you, when you're doing it um, through those other resources, it costs money. And most, for the most part, library resources are free. And so when you're a small business and you're thinking about cash flow, everything matters. And if you buy a book that you're going to read and then put on a shelf or give away, uh, consider the idea that maybe you can go get the book at the library, read it, and give it back to the library and not have spent the money. And there's always better places to spend money. And there's certainly always other places to spend money. There are books, you know, certainly that I, I think are worth owning. Um, and and uh, I do listen to quite a few of my audiobooks uh, more than one time uh, because you just, you, I, I get more out of them every time that I, that I listen to them. But there are times when I'm, especially when I'm doing re research on a specific subject, where it, there's really no point in me owning the book. It's just, I just need the resource, need to get the information, the citation information, and then uh, return the book. The other part of it, not just the getting the information uh, or the data from books and, and, uh, and magazines, etc., but they're a quiet place to work, and generally people won't look for you there. So I, I'm very sure that no one's ever been interrupted in their lives. But, uh, but in case you have been interrupted, um, you know that, that, uh, getting back on task and getting back up to the productivity level that you were at when you were interrupted can take some time. On average, uh, I think the statistics show about 20 minutes of time to get actually back up to speed on a focused activity, which can be very expensive. Uh, and we all have, uh, so little time to begin with. So, it's quiet, it's isolated, and you can uh, get some time to really focus on specific activities. So I highly encourage people to reconsider the local library as a resource for your small business. So wrapping it up, get out there and develop a backup plan for your business. It's inexpensive, it's relatively easy, and the setup is quick. So let's roll up our sleeves and get to work.